Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400 plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Ricardo. How is life? I'm doing well. And I have a question for yes. you. Yes. Of everything you own that is not super expensive, what's the most precious object for you? Hmm. It's a good question. Off the top of my head, I am not sure. I'm not real attached to things. And I have a lot of really nice things. I have fountain pens, and some of my favorite ones are actually old ones that are not that expensive, so maybe a few pens. But um, I don't know. I've got some photos of my great-grandparents whom I've never met, and I don't have a good answer for you. What, well, what that about- was a great answer. Why wouldn't... <laughs> So I what about dis- you? I've discovered that when you ask this, you get to know a lot about the other person. Ah. In my case, it's an original of a Good Shepherd painting, and I cannot even pronounce the artist right now, but it's, it has some value, but it's not for the value. I really like the painting. And then I once framed a picture of a series of houses in the Dominican Republic. They were painted in three different pastel colors. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was a beautiful picture. And I have it hanging in my room, these two things. All right. So if there is a fire, that's the two things I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I've actually thought about that. If there were a fire, what would I grab? And I'm not sure. That's another question. I think I would save my computer, though. <laughs> well, I actually, that's actually for me as well, except a lot of things are in the cloud, so I wouldn't need that. I remember when the cloud first came around that I did the opposite. I didn't trust it, so I would download mm. pictures Okay. instead of trusting what's in the cloud, which is the way to go, as we know. Yeah. Um, but I did it the other way around. I ended up losing those pictures because I lost the whole computer. Yeah. Anyway, here we are, two guys <laughs> and a gospel, the one who would save his painting of the Good Shepherd is Father Ricardo Martin and the pastor at Sacred Heart Parish in Racine, Wisconsin, and Vice Chancellor here in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And the one who would uh, inhale a lot of smoke from deciding what to, what to take, <laughs> Father Philip Ogaki, and the pastor at Christ King and St. Bernard Parishes in, in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. We are gathering today to discuss the gospel for the feast that we traditionally have always called Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. Now we say the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ, but the name in Latin may, may be more familiar for, for many of our listeners. Similar to Ascension a few weeks ago, in many parts of the world, this is actually celebrated on Thursday, so it'd be like tomorrow, the day after we're recording, but in a lot of places it's been moved to Sunday. I think in the United States, it's almost entirely on Sunday. Is that right? Not correct. Somebody, I have something we call Chat with Father that we've done through the pandemic, Tuesdays and Fridays, and there is a person that connects from Philly, Hmm. and in Philadelphia, she says that they celebrate 
both on the Thursday. Okay. I mean the, the, the Feast of the Ascension and Corpus Christi on Thursday. Okay. And she also told us that they do the same in Lincoln, Nebraska, okay. in the Diocese of Lincoln. Well, here in Milwaukee, so we'll, we'll, it'll be on Sunday. So that's what we're going to read from. So I'll read the gospel. So you're going to read from Mark's gospel as we read this year, chapter 14, verses 12 to 16, and then we jump to 22 to 26. And you would know immediately what they are skipping. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you, carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples then went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. First of all, tell me what skipped there. I, I did not take a look. I think so we could recognize the reading as the reading that we read on the procession of the day of Palm Sunday. Is this the entrance into Jerusalem? Yes, here, I think, think that's what they are skipping. So, yeah, this is just uh, one of two really important feasts now that kind of link us into ordinary time where it's not about a saint or a particular person or an event, but about two very fundamental beliefs. And we're going to be looking at this coming Sunday, which is what? It's a special feast again. The the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ, traditionally known as Corpus Christi. So really a beautiful opportunity to reflect on the great gift of the Eucharist, but really the gift of Sunday. That's been kind of a focus, at least here in Milwaukee. Milwaukee now mm-hmm. is just the gift of Sunday in a broader sense as well, that respect we show to the gift of Sunday. And of everything, it's a dogmatic feast, as you just said. And, and, and of all the dogmas are things that we are supposed to believe wholeheartedly, almost the, the canonical language, it really says that with all your heart, almost. And that's the one I have less of a problem to believe with. You know what I mean? It's, it's absolutely true. I do believe that it's amazing to have this belief, that, that we really believe that when we come to Mass, that that's the real presence of Christ. It's not some symbol, as we explain to children when they receive First Communion. It's not some symbol. It's not some, some anal- analogy or metaphor of, of Jesus. We really believe that's Jesus. What I tend to tell the children for their First Communion Mass, we become what we receive, like that famous song. And, and so we can be 
the real presence of Christ to others. That's how I take the the real presence of Christ, of the many ways we can pray adoration in front of the real presence of Christ is one of my favorite types. So I'm all in favor of this, as I should be, but yeah. The reality of Passover here, that's something that only as I get older am I coming to appreciate a little bit more. So you see like in the first reading today is from the book of Exodus, the the Passover, and it's the by sacrificing a lamb. And What's interesting here is when you kind of understand that that reality and where the disciples are coming from, what's happening here is as Jesus is talking about the Passover, mm-hmm. these detailed, very detailed preparations here, they're they're expecting a lamb, you know, and, and that's really the shock of this moment, the power of this moment where he says, no, I'm going to be the one that's going to be sacrificed, really the, the son of God. And there's something just so powerful, so important about that, that. Yeah, it's interesting and helpful to understand that Jewish concept of Passover, of sacrifice, and what that all means and why it's so important now, what Jesus is preparing to in this particular gospel. An element of the Jewish Passover also is that the, the acknowledgement of what God has done for us in the past. And, and it's very interesting also, that aspect is very interesting also, that Jesus is about to suffer. And yes, he will experience the resurrection, but... But we know that he will suffer. We will know that he will pray for that experience to be taken away from him if possible. So he he's not looking forward to it. But it's a feast, a Jewish feast of, of acknowledging the salvific and, and presence of God and interventions of God in, in history. So I think it's, it's great. Yeah. One thing that stands out for me, well, I should say two things. The, the first thing is the active preparation. It's a beautiful reminder to us of our active participation in the worship of, uh, of the Lord in the Eucharist, that this is, this is something where, yeah, we're, we're just all actively participating. And you see that here, I think, in all the preparation the disciples are asked to do, to really be involved in that. And we do that spiritually when, when, when we're present and, and by actively participating in other ways. But the other thing is, at the end, what do they do? It's just this great last line. Mm-hmm. They went out singing a hymn. It was so neat. They went out singing a hymn to the Mount of uh, Mount of Olives. And just a beautiful moment of, I don't know if it's rejoicing or sadness or, you know, there's something emotional that perhaps is attached to that as they now are heading to the Last Supper and then to Good Friday, really, at this moment. I never understood what that line meant. Mm. It's actually, it's just what I said in a different way. I don't know why it's happening. So, so I think the line is there because it, this is how the, the Eucharist will be celebrated by the, the first communities. And that's where our musical tradition may come from. So, yeah, very interesting. I never thought of it. Anything else? Beautiful celebration. And maybe this is a naive thought, but I always admire the way children approach first communion. And I wish we adults, I suppose we most do it but I'm, I'm not sure we have this unbelievable excitement that children show and I, I i wish we would feel it again i think we one of the the things we lost during the pandemic was all you remember all those months that we celebrated mass without a, a congregation or it was there was a limit of 10 people and it was ridiculous right to celebrate mass to mm-hmm. an empty church and preaching to an empty church and how many people have told me that they missed the actual reception of communion and and hopefully we'll go back to giving it under two species soon and and I think that will be one of the marks that we are back to to what we were to what we were doing and and maybe better better off because now we know how much we missed it I agree 
So what a beautiful celebration this weekend to reflect on that. In fact, this is a, a, just a week after, a year after, at least in Milwaukee, we started public celebrations. Mm-hmm. So just a good reflection on what we can lose and, and to give thanks for the great gift of the Eucharist. I think that's pretty enough for me. Yeah, I think that's good. I think we'll, uh, we'll look forward to next week, and then uh, we, we should be good. Very good. All right, take care. See you.